Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And, and we're not we talking to you from our at-home studio because we're not at home. Wow, we're in the RV, but where are we? We're in the middle of the hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> it, leave it up to your RV navigators, ladies and gentlemen, to head east. east into the eye of the hurricane. Into the eye of the hurricane. Le- and, leaving beautiful weather behind. <laughs> are we? Since we last spoke to you, we uh, I think we probably mentioned that we were planning a trip to New England, and we, as a rule, I think we would plan our schedule around the weather because we're flexible travelers, but at the moment... We're not flexible. We're not flexible because we are planning to attend another Road Scholar, or what we have referred to earlier, and it happens to start... On, on the, the day, day that the hurricane arrived in Maine. So you remember Irene. Uh, probably by the time you listen to this, it will be a distant, distant memory. memory and history. But And it had a lot of hype, which apparently was um, worse than the storm itself, although some people obviously have suffered yeah, and we don't really, a lot of damage. Yeah, we don't really know the full effects because we haven't been in complete touch. But if I hold my microphone out the window... High wind. High winds. You hear... Well, we are literally on the cusp of the storm floating over us in Maine. I have to give a lot of kudos to the weathermen who predicted the route of this storm, because as we drove east, we, of course, were quite concerned about it. Suddenly. And kept an eye on the projected path and just kind of drove past the path north and came out on the other side east of it. And the path that they predicted is the way it went, and the fact that it would be more rainy on the west and more windy on the east seems to have been true. And um, their reports greatly assisted us in making... Better stupid decisions. Beca- <laughs> <laughs> Better. Wait, what does that say about the RV navigator? <laughs> Nobody should listen to what he has to say, right? That the co-pilot is ready to rebel. <laughs> yeah, you're the navigator. Give me a break here. You're the one who's supposed to be making the smart decisions. Well, we sh- we did head east and. On our way, before the storm was really uh, on the horizon, and really, I, I wasn't even thinking about it when we left home, and it was beautiful weather, and we have had very good weather, and it's been very nice overall, but as the <laughs> as we came closer to the storm, wait, or the storm came closer to us, we started to experience... Our paths converged. Our, <laughs> yes, our paths converged, although your intrepid travelers have not made much of an, an itinerary change, but... That wasn't because we weren't watching the weather coast. We, well, we paid attention, and the forecasters told and, and, us what ended up being true. And those of you who follow us know that we do pay close attention to the weather. And when we leave in the wintertime, we always are looking at ice storms and various other weather factors that might Im- impact us. But this time we had uh, a little bit of problem because we couldn't uh, actually delay our schedule. We were on a tight schedule with uh, only three days to drive out here. So we had to really hit the road and uh, and make it happen. Fortunately, the storm has gone much further west than we were first predicted, so that uh, we... Being on the coast ended up being a good thing. Because right now, we are literally on the 
ocean coast of Maine, uh, on the very far east side in the northern part of Maine. And so the storm is predicted to kind of head off uh, in the westerly direction, northwesterly direction from here. So we were very happy about that. But we did pay attention, and this morning we got up early because we wanted to make the last final leg of our drive before we actually had to contend with the storm. So now... And when you hear about wind gusts and you're driving your house down the road, it is it does give you pause. I would be hard to believe that a wind could tip this thing over, but boy, I wouldn't want to test it. No, don't want to find out. Yeah, and we had lots of rain last night, but there was no wind. And just as they predicted, and then they said at 10 a.m. the winds are going to start and you're going to be more and more windy and less and less rain. And that's pretty much what's happened so far. And that's why out of our window right now we're watching the trees swaying back and forth. Nothing really dangerous, but uh, it's definitely much windier, and then it's going to be gone. Good. We hope. So we are here for the Road Scholar Program, the Old Elder Hostel, and we're here to learn about digital, digital photography, photography, a subject that you could teach yourself. Oh, geez. No, we come here for the great scenic views that they're going to take us to. The last time we went to an Elder Hostel here in Maine... It was in New Hampshire. <laughs> Shame on we them for moving it on you. <laughs> they moved it in my mind. The last time we were in an elder hostel that did photography, uh-huh. it was in New Hampshire. Uh-huh. And one of the things that I really appreciated was that they took us to some great places. That we would never have found on our own. Yeah. I'm not really interested in learning more about digital photography, but the places they took us were fabulous because you're dealing with locals, and that's uh, something that is worth paying for, frankly. And hoping to eat a little lobster along the way. Exactly. We had some great fresh scallops yesterday. Yes, Love the exactly. seafood in Maine. And our uh, co-pilot has actually purchased a new camera for her big event here. So I'll be taking even better pictures than you. But let's expound on the changes in your photography equipment. Um, I would call them primarily laziness. <laughs> I, I had a, a fairly nice, what I would call, medium-sized camera, and then I had if the, a... If the podcast suddenly goes out, it's because we turned over in the wind. In the wind. <laughs> As I just, I didn't think you could tip it over, but it's swaying. I had a fairly good um, medium-sized camera, but I found myself using it less and less and favoring the one that was about the size of a pack of cigarettes. But uh, being so small... It had some limitations, and so shoot we have found a camera just slightly bigger than a pack of cigarettes that has many more features. I've been studying my manual, and um, this will be a good opportunity to make sure that I've learned all the lessons within the manual and give it a workout. So hopefully this will be a good compromise between features and weight. And now do you know how to make multiple exposures? I do now. I studied it again. <laughs> well, this camera has some great features. This is the Canon blue camera <laughs> this is the canon hs 230 okay you ordered it online i don't remember the numbers and uh, this camera costs about 300 dollars from amazon and it's 
beautiful blue. Well, that's aqua. what I chose. And you can get it in black or but, pink. But are there technology reasons why you might someone might want to consider this camera? Um, well, my my past camera was not zoomy enough for me. Um, generally, I like to take detailed <laughs> pictures, term? and Ken takes very wide-angle panorama pictures. So together, we tend to cover a beautiful spot fairly well. And and the little camera didn't have a powerful enough zoom. When it went into the digital, it got very pixelated, and that disappointed me. And I also didn't like it very well in low light. So apparently this has a low light feature that I'm going to try out and see if I like that better. But this has a 15 to 1 optical zoom lens on a camera body, which is hardly bigger than a point and shoot. Very impressive in terms of size. Plus it has all the features. It takes high definition video, and which thing, I'm sure you're going to use frequently. Well, one thing, I do take video. High definition video? Do you have it set for high definition? Well, if I have enough memory card, I will. <laughs> I see. Um, we had to go out and buy two new memory one, cards. One thing I wrestle with is that these cameras uh, do so much editing within the camera, yeah. which, number one, makes the instruction book very complicated for yes, me to yes. read. And number two, I keep thinking as I read it, I can do those things much more easily on a computer when I take the picture off the card and put it on my computer. So I have a hard time deciding what's the better way to go. And for me, the better way to go is the way that I already know, which but is But a lot of people, if they want to do some minor editing they can do it right in the camera yes such even, as what well if you make a film a, clip you can edit the beginning really? and the end off i mean make it shorter because uh -huh. sometimes you start shooting too soon or uh -huh. you're waiting for something can to you take happen. out the red eye in a video i don't think no so. no uh, no on a still yeah and so what other things does it have um it has adjustments for various kinds of light like when you're indoors and the light is yellow or green uh -huh. you can adjust for that so white balance of time. automatic white balance right but other effects that you can make as I said, <laughs> as I read the manual, I kept thinking, I'll just do this on my computer. So how about uh, making panoramas? Well, it has the, the mode that my little camera had, too, called Stitch Assist, which I guess is the, the name that the Canon people use that helps you to make a panorama uh -huh. and helps you to line it up. But we found that you really don't need it because, again, the computer is doing a better and better job of stitching pictures together that I just have tried by hand to line up with each other. And you don't really need it. Uh -huh. But I use it when, when it's appropriate. We just had a large photo made, which might be of interest to our listeners. Oh, my, yes. This is three feet by eight, eight feet. feet. And I'm going to have to remodel the house to find a place <laughs> to hang something that's three feet by eight feet. And the thing that really sold me was that it's on a sort of paper, which made us think of... What are those pads called? Stickies. Stickies? Posted. Posted Post note glue. paper. So if you put it on the wall... It wasn't paper, though. It was vinyl. Yeah, but the backing is such that if you put it on the wall and you don't like Way where it cool. is or you've done it crooked, you can take it down and move it and you don't damage the wall and it retains its adhesiveness. And we made the picture out of how many megapixels? But the point of... I was trying to make is that this is a three-foot... By, by eight, eight foot, foot picture. It's like a mural. Which is a panorama. Now, the reason why we... And, and when we look at it, it's very sharp. It's everything that I wanted it to be. I mean, it, it's very impressive. So how many pictures did you make And it was made from four still frames that Photoshop stitched together. And even in that large size... It's very sharp. It's very sharp. And 
because of all the extra pixels, because it was actually four images, the the final product is very sharp. Even at that gross magnification. So, rule number one is always shoot at the highest quality that your camera will make. In case you want to make a 3 by 8 photo of your picture. Number two is, is that there's great software out there that's easy to use that can do wonders to your pictures. No matter how bad they were to begin with. Well, I don't know about how bad they were. <laughs> um, number three, buy the memory card that is large enough to hold the pictures that you want to take because it's uh, not intuitive that you want to set your camera take the fewest number of pictures on your memory card. And so, my advice also is every day that you do well, but any amount of shooting is to take the pictures off your card and put them on your computer because you never know when the card is going to fail and let you down. And you don't want to lose your entire vacation because you've left all the pictures there. And as soon as yeah, you so take the pictures off, then you've got lots of room for lots more big pictures. Right. And Sheikah bought an 8 gigabyte card which will hold thousands of pictures even at, at high even resolution at the, because her new camera is 12 11, 11 megapixels mm-hmm. 11 megapixels but there is a downside to your camera that it is so small but that's good but it doesn't have the optical viewfinder right everybody is used to older cameras film cameras in particular that had the little window that you look through you held it up to your eye to take the picture and it this seemed new like camera, you would hold yourself steadier when you, you do, had absolutely. your hands pressed against your head. Exactly. So this new camera only has a three-inch... Well, the the viewfinder that's like a little TV screen. Yeah, it has, but you get to see exactly what you're taking the picture of. And sometimes those have not been so good in really bright light that it was hard to see what you uh-huh. were taking a picture of. But I haven't tested it yet because I'm in a hurricane and there hasn't been any bright light. We'll yeah, we've, see. Been, we've been driving. Driving, we drove, driving, yes, driving. Three days and we drove 1,200 miles. Oh, I've been taxed to the max here. I'm, it's almost like a family vacation. Well, it kind of is because we've brought good friends with us who are not our rears, and that has been a challenge yes. as well in that we don't sleep we that four people. Time. We only sleep three, and we were able to find some camping So one facilities. of us drives and three people sleep? No, I'm navigating. <laughs> so we have found some campgrounds that have had places that. for our friends to sleep overnight. Uh, one was a little lodge, and one was where they rented an RV <laughs> next to our RV. That was not too impressive because it was kind of an old RV, um, but it worked. So we've been traveling out here. We've driven 1,200 miles to the main coast, and it's supposed to be beautiful weather after this. And we will give you a full report in the mid-month uh, RV Navigator podcast. But we've actually been on another trip also. Yes. Those of you who think we don't go camping enough, That's we've been right. on two trips. We had somebody challenged us and said they looked like we like were, we're doing getting tired, f- of, tired it. of it. Heavens. Keep not that RV under in on the road. Um, on our bucket list was attending uh, the state <laughs> fair of our state of Illinois. Well, yeah, or a state fair. Well, but we should attend yeah, yeah, our yeah. own in our own state. And we never got around to doing it. And last year, Ken noticed that it was possible to camp right the, on the fairgrounds. So this year, we planned ahead, made a reservation. Probably didn't need Nina one no, during the week. Surprising. It was full-ish, but not full. And it was a wonderful way to attend a state fair because we were right on the grounds. And we're not sure if this is available to, at every state fair, no. but I would think that a lot of state fair parks would have camping. I really don't know. I don't either, but I would definitely... Check if, into it. Check into it, yeah. 
because we uh, the state fair is in Springfield, Illinois, which is about three hours south of us, so it's far too far to commute in one day. So we made the camping reservation, very reasonably priced, and we drove down there one day, stayed for two nights, and the really nice thing is they have a wide variety of different camping situations. You can tent camp under the trees you can pull your rv onto the grass you can do as we did and that's park in the parking lot with hookups all the same price and they have uh i don't know almost 100 sites i would say and once we were inside we didn't have to pay admission and we could come and go as we wished uh it was typical hot humid midwestern summer weather and when you had had enough of the greasy fried food and the animal smells you could go back to the rig have a healthy lunch, uh, chill out in the air conditioning a bit, and then go back out for more. Uh, the, the, the rural lifestyle is a little bit alien to us, we must admit, but that's, of course, why we went. Um, and southern Illinois is far enough away that it's definitely not an urban environment like we're used to. And it's really very nice to see people still being in touch with the land and, their and very proud of their work that they would do with animals. So we attended a lot of events that we have never even thought about before. And some of them we didn't really understand either. No. And some of them we hated. Yes. Tractor pull. Not my idea of a good time. And what is a tractor pull? It's just a waste of <laughs> clean air and gasoline. <laughs> well, it's not even gasoline, probably. Because these tractors were attached to what they called a sled, which was a, a vehicle that you could drive. <laughs> this was our first time. That had a heavy weight on it, and the idea was who could pull this sled the farthest. And inevitably, the driver of the tractor would stamp on it with all his might, and a giant plume of black—it was like a nuclear yeah. cloud—would go he up in the air. The throttle to the max. And it would roar. It was deafening. I wish someone had told me I would yeah, have in a stadium outdoors. It was it was very loud. The part of that I did enjoy a little bit was the tractors <coughs> that were of a vintage older than myself, uh, which didn't let out the big black clouds, and in a very <laughs> a slow, reliable turtle sort of way, pulled the weight just about as far as the new modern big boys. And, that they, was and they had cool. multiple categories, and they had different amount of weights, so that but the maximum they would pull it would be 350 feet, so it's it not a very long, long event. It was long enough. But they have so many entries and so many categories, categories and so many different, and all these souped-up tractors that are not really tractors, and then cars that look like and I could feel pulling. my lungs turning black the longer oh, I really? sat there. It was disgusting. Somebody told us that they actually do this inside. Oh, my God. I can't imagine. And there's a circuit because the people who won won yeah, points. Yeah. And while we were at the fair, they had it every night. And every night. And it was night. fairly That's well attended by people who and cared about it. And it cost extra money. Yeah. So most of the events, once we got into the campground, we were on the grounds of the state fair, and we could, as she said, we didn't have to pay anything extra for the stuff that we went and did, which was fabulous. So we could come and go, come back for lunch, and then go out again or stick around in the morning and or have uh, enjoy the air conditioning in the RV. Uh, and we went to some really nice agricultural events. We went to the... Harness racing. Harness That's racing, what it was called. Yes. And <laughs> I can see somebody's yelling into their iPod. <laughs> what what, <laughs> what we are. are. And we went to a pig auction, auction, which was fabulous. I mean, they have these pigs that they put into what look like pajamas. No, that was the sheep. Oh. The sheep the were she- in pajamas. I the pigs were, too. No, the pigs were scrubbed 
perfectly clean, well, and they, they were led around, around by their owners, some of which Very were proud. cute young girls with sparkly earrings and sparkly belts <laughs> and sparkly up. shirts, and the pigs were pretty sparkly, too. Everybody was just so proud and of And we critters. were watching them bid, um, and of course it's one of those things that you better not move or else you might have bid, because we honestly took us a while to find the person that was bidding. Um, we didn't know the what group to look of, for. The, yeah, what to look for. And they would make calls about things that, uh, and, and one animal would go for a lot more money than another, and I could not figure out why. And the sheep that were in raincoats were in that condition because they had been shorn to within an inch of their lives and were also immaculately clean. And somebody had worked very hard to get them in that condition and didn't want them to discolor their beautiful white little curls. So they put them in raincoats and they had little headgear on them where their little eyes peeked out. It was hilarious. Very interesting. And then we went to the cooking demonstration, which was... (laughs) Not too... (laughs) Impressive. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. All of the different uh, people. It, it, it's amazing how many people enter these things. And then we went to the butter cow. Oh, carving. that's a highlight of the Illinois State Fair. Always. They recycle the butter every year and redo the cow. That sounds kind of gross, but nobody eats it. I wouldn't think so. And then just to look at all of the farm machinery, the implements. Yeah, when so you're standing sh- next to the tractor so and its big. tires are taller than you are, yeah. that's amazing. So, and another thing I really liked camping there was every night they had fireworks, and oh, we would yes. just get out the door of our rig, and there they were over our heads. That was very nice. So there will be a couple of uh, pictures on our website, and we hope that you'll take a look at them, and probably you'll have some comments to make to us about the our naivete about southern living um, or s- s- agricultural living. Right. And, of course, you know all sorts of grains and the best, <laughs> the best corn stalk and... <laughs> I couldn't tell any difference between the corn stalks. Well, stocks. you don't know anything about corn. I know. They had all you know all these fresh things that the biggest squash and mm-hmm. all those vegetables, fabulous, which I have never even gotten into. So, state fair. Uh, every I assume virtually every state must have one. I think so. And if you are a city person, if you are as dumb as we are, you should go and, at and least. Of course, once. if you're a country person, you probably go anyway. And you know all about it. Well, and we oh we don't want to mention we don't want to forget the all the rides and attractions. Oh yeah, the Midway. Okay, we over. didn't do. <laughs> we're too old. We, we went to see it and took pictures. Oh, they have some rides there that which were nauseating. That's why we didn't do it. Spin you upside down in three different ways and twist you around at the same time. Oh. All right, so on to some more RV topics. I don't know about you, but I've been getting these little emails from camping.com, yes. which seems to be a newish website that has a lot of good ideas and things well, to share. Well, not only that, but they want you to reserve campsites through, through them. them. Yes, and so uh-huh. it's a way for you to digitally view website or campsites and then to book campsites. And they have been putting out a list of camping gems. They have countless gems all over the country. <laughs> 75. Uh, things you should go see while you're out on the road. And one of the gems... We just did yesterday. ...was in Freeport, Maine, the L.L. Bean store, which is the flagship store uh, which began L.L. Bean in 1912. It's a very recognizable tourist feature because it has a giant statue... And every camper knows about L.L. Bean. ...of a rubber boot in you front can, of it. You can return your merchandise forever. They never will say no. And, of course, this this store has um, built a little 
town around it of other outlet stores yes. of various sorts, some more I mean, camping-like yeah. than yeah. others. Well, Patagonia and... Uh, North Face. North Face and others, yeah. Lots of different places. So it's a good place for a camper to stop. You will probably find a gizmo there that you didn't know you needed until you got there. And yesterday the weather was pretty good. And we enjoyed camping in Freeport oh, that's for right. free. Well, you should talk about that new website you started started looking at. Well, I I've had a subscription to it, and I've mentioned it before. The okay. OvernightRVParking.com, which is a subscription site. But they gave us some kind of bad information. Well, the information that was on there was dated, yes. um, and we knew that. And so we went to the lot that was supposed to be the free lot, which was near the police station, and it was quickly and noticeable that uh, it was posted no RVing. So we went... Not only that, but no RV, not, not, no uh, RV not parking overnight parking, but no RV parking at all. So we went in the police station, and they sent us to a different lot where they said that we could camp for the night for free. Park and camp. And we did. And it was right in the middle of town, very close to the shops. You could get armloads of goodies and come back to the rig and go out and get more. Within walking very distance. Convenient. So RVing campers, you know like we know that it's expensive to eat to go to hotels and our friends who were staying with us we didn't tell them this but they had to pay over a hundred dollars a night for just a motel and we were in an rv parking lot for free but they got a hot breakfast do we like free much better than a hot breakfast do we like free <laughs> if i wanted a hot breakfast i could have made one <laughs> Yes. So they had to pay the bucks, and we were in, in a much better location. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And uh, there was only one other rig there. Yeah. In the uh, Overnight. Overnight in the camping. But, of course, that might have been because of the storm. All the sane people left the area. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why all the traffic was going in the red, the other, uh, the other direction, and, and there was hardly any traffic going east? Yeah, we should quit gloating. The storm is not over yet. Uh-huh. Well for all practical purposes. So, anyway, take a look at uh, camping.com, and if you forget, we'll put a link on the website. As geezers, we are afraid that Who's we sometimes talk too much about um, <laughs> things that interest people no with a lot of gray hair, and we know that there are many people out there camping and listening who are family people, and yes. so we found a blog that we thought might appeal to you. Uh, these are people who had only one camping experience before they decided Whoa. to hit the road for a year with their children, and they are keeping a blog uh, which, of necessity, has many comments that would be interesting to somebody with a family. Yes. And um, I love some of the topics. For their uh, articles. Thir 13 Reasons Why Kids Should Go <laughs> RVing. Um, the best and worst runs I've had while RVing full-time. Uh, my worst day full-time camping, <laughs> but the best night. Full-time camping and the rearview mirror. Interesting writing. Yes. Um, and so if you are thinking about full-timing with a family, I would say this is a, a blog that you should take a look at. It will definitely give you some ideas of what to do family, and what not mm -hmm. to do. Yeah, and, and the perspective of a new RVer, somebody who hasn't done much of it. So that uh, will be worth looking at. And if you want to feel really old, then I suggest that you look at the mindset list for the class of 2015 from the folks at Beloit, Beloit College. College. They put this out every year. Yeah, but this one is particularly interesting. Um, and they have uh, uh, 50 or so items on there that today's freshmen... Take for granted, or it was yes. always the case that this was so in their lives. 
And number one, there has always been an internet ramp into the information superhighway. I can remember very, well, I won't even talk about that. Ferris Bueller and Sloan Peterson could be their parents. From Ferris Bueller, which is the guy From who Ferris cut. Bueller's day off. Yeah. yeah. States and Velcro parents have always been requiring that they wear their bike helmets. When I was a kid, I didn't own a bike helmet. Neither. <laughs> well, we do wear them now. The only significant labor disputes in their lifetimes have been in major league sports. Well, we've been in some significant labor As disputes fact, ourselves. On strike ourselves, yes. There have always been at least two women on oh. the Supreme Court. Yay, rah! And women have always commanded Canada. U.S. Navy ships. They swipe cards, not merchandise. Yeah. You know, I, boy, credit cards have really changed our lives. And and uh, ATM cards, of course, even more so. Make it so much easier to travel. They've grown up on websites and cell phones. Adult experts have constantly fretted about their alleged deficits of empathy and concentration. Their school's blackboards have always been getting smarter <laughs> and are probably not black. And are probably smart boards. Yes, well, certainly dry erase yeah. and not chalk. chalk. Although there are still people who use chalk. Don't touch that dial. And, of course, the question is... What dial? <laughs> yes. I even take that for granted. You know, dial on a telephone? No. On dial on a TV? No. Dial on a radio? No. Not anymore. American tax form have always have always been available in Spanish. <laughs> yeah. And more Americans have always traveled to Latin America than to Europe. That surprised me. Yes. Well, there are lots more, but uh, if you want to feel old, then uh, take a take look a, at the list from Belay College. And uh, check with your kids. They have um, the lists from the last 20 years or so. Yeah, they do it for their freshman yeah, class so every fall. It's, it's interesting to see how the, the list changed in... in, in <laughs> it's American pop culture, you know, what's what's going on. Hard cost of towing over four years. This is an interesting article from, ooh, I don't have his name here, from uh, somebody who does a blog, and he does it um, as part of uh, a newspaper, The Star, and he's Canadian, and he has... Uh, he took his family on a trip across Canada in a, and rental. Rented, in a rented RV, and I think he had some insights into what it's like for a newbie to be in, get into RVing. Um, some of the comments are not positive, and some of the things, I'm not sure he would do it again. But the four articles that I found most interesting were <laughs> cleaning out the tanks and other RV challenges. Number two. What's a 28-foot RV like to drive? I really liked his comment there that once you uh, have arrived at your destination, your RV is always too small, and when you're driving, <laughs> it's always too big. Boy, ain't that the truth. Yes. Is an RV really a mo moving motel room? Not at all. Not at all. The high cost of fuel for the journey. So... Uh, if you're thinking about getting into RVing, and we know from emails that uh, many of you are just uh, in the process of setting up your RV, that you might want to take a look at this blog. As I said, it's on uh, a newspaper called the Toronto Star, and, uh, of course, the link will be available on our website for you to see. And 
And it makes you think of things that you might not have considered if you've done very little RVing or camping mm -hmm. previously. Uh, when, when the topic is so new to you, you don't always know what questions to ask or what to think about. And, of course, another series of questions that you have is about the finances. And here's someone, uh, the LiveWorkDream.com blog where they have laid out explicitly what it costs them to run their RV for the year. And this one is specifically for towing uh, with yes. a Dodge Ram and a fifth-wheel trailer. And, you know, why did they choose that uh, truck and that, that trailer? Truck and, you know, and this gives you some real good, solid information. Whether you agree with it or disagree with it, and of course we wouldn't agree with it, but whether you'd agree with it and disagree with it, uh, it still gives you some hard facts to, to work on. And he um, gives a lot of information about what things really cost him over yeah. four years, which is nice to know. And they tow a fifth-wheel, which we have always enjoyed, and he chose that because you only have to deal with engine repairs on one engine. The cost you didn't have to you didn't have to mortgage to get it, and the the Dodge Cummins diesel engine is the best engine ever. Um, most some of that I agree with, and some of it I don't. But I've expressed my point of view. But if you want to know about what this uh, gentleman has to say, you want to read that blog. We like to present you with both sides of the story. Our friends, the Chinese, have become more and more interested in camping. Uh, we saw an article in the USA Today about a country where most people are getting their first car, but there are certainly more and more Chinese who are in the who own the businesses that we are sending all of our dollars to uh, that are looking at the RV lifestyle and finding it very appealing. But a nation of 1.3 billion yeah, that's must quite have a, some that's people who are interested in RVing. We need to get Elkhart to send some RVs over there. That yes, would indeed. stimulate the economy. There are 5,000, according to this article in the USA Today, there are 5,000 owners <laughs> and of, course, of RVs there, in China. It's kind of a cart and a horse thing because once you own an RV, you need somewhere to take it and they are just in the process of building campgrounds as well but that's certainly a developing market and it's nice to see that this kind of lifestyle appeals to them. A change is coming fast in China as local governments and businesses build hundreds of RV camps nationwide. Americans still can't grasp the fast pace of development in China. It seems that many of the Chinese uh, want to join the 8.9 million Americans who RV, and they are planning to RV not only in China, but across uh, Europe and possibly even in the United States. What a, what a huge, great market this could be you know, for RV companies in the United States. Um, this one person bought a their RV, it doesn't say exactly what kind it was, for $93,000. The Chinese made Zhongtian recreational vehicle. Yeah, I don't know what kind it is, though. They made it. Well, I know, but I mean, what, is it a class C or a B or an A? It's or? a Zhong Tian. <laughs> That's all yeah, you need to know. can find a picture of the Zhong Zhong. <laughs> I'm not sure you said that exactly right. And maybe it's like the ultralight that we found, this new one called the Eco 12. which It's is so light I could pull it with my bicycle. Uh, 750 pounds. Yeah, okay, 750 pounds can be towed by most subcompact four-cylinder cars. It says, no. Sleeps two adults on a queen-size queen size bed. <laughs> it's it, 12 feet 10 inches, has a fridge, furnace, indoor-outdoor stove, and awning. What more could you ask for? And when you look at it, you wonder... If, it's, if the door there. is made for a midget. Maybe it's like our um, hotel room in Manhattan where the bed is just going from wall to wall to wall. And there's it's got no a Murphy bed that you flip up and that's the, you have to get it out of the way in order for you to use it. Huh. Anyway, there will be a picture and uh, 
if you have a four-cylinder car and you are lusting to do RVing, this may be the way for you to do it. It looks very small and cute, probably inexpensive also. Now, how about a little bit of Wi-Fi talk? Oh, we are lucky here. We're in a state park in Maine. It has excellent Wi-Fi, faster than our satellite dish. Uh, yeah, we're in the woods, too, which is kind of amazing because I don't know how they get Wi-Fi. Rarely do you find state parks that have uh, great Wi-Fi. And we're picking it up with just our regular sort of uh, connections. I mean, we don't have any special antennas or anything, but a lot of times you need a little bit more, more. powerful. And uh, a company has introduced the high-power wireless uh, USB adapter, which you can use with your Mac or PC, and it gives you a boost. High-power 600-milliwatt amplifier and directional high-gain antenna. It's waterproof, works, works indoors and out. And you can use it in your boat or your recreational vehicle. And it looks like it has just a couple of plugs so that it's not something that's going to really tax you. Something I could manage. Oh, no. That's, no, no, no. That's Never impossible. mind. No. We have mentioned before the Ram McNally has uh, their 5-inch uh, Tripmaker 5510, which is their 5-inch new RV-oriented a GPS, which we really we will really have enjoyed the five inch, and of course, what's now coming out the seven inch the seven inch. Jeez, is it available to be purchased yet? Well, in October, but uh-huh. the nice thing about it is it's going to have all the features. It's got eight gigabytes of of RAM in it, which makes it so that you can put all sorts of points of interest in it. It's got you know customized for RVers checklists and places to visit, like the hidden gems that we mentioned earlier only the Ray McNally style, and it does routing specifically for RVers. 28 different classes of RVs can be put in. You put in your weight, you put in your length. (laughs) And what is your weight? I'm not telling. (laughs) What's the weight of your RV? (laughs) I'm not telling. Okay. So, anyway, it's very customized for your RV. For our needs. And we have been using uh, the 5510 on this trip, and she uses the Garmin, and I use the 5510. And what happens? Well, we compare notes, and sometimes the routing is slightly different. And, sometimes and on this trip, we found that the, Garmin, like the, that the Ram McNally gives us better routing. Yeah, not always. Yeah, but... And this particular, we I, and certainly the seven-inch one will be um, a good choice for those of us with big rigs because you find the five-inch one <laughs> and, and bad eyes kind of hard to see. Yes, um, there are a lot of nice details on there, and it would be good to be able to see them so you could take advantage of them. Okay. So we're great. We're glad that they're doing that. Uh, we also have here the hitch lift kit. Hatch lift kit. No wonder I mispronounced it. It's hatch. <laughs> Okay, the hatch lift kit. One of the things I always had trouble with on our fifth wheel was keeping the hatches open while you're in there plowing around, finally getting out your stuff. Because they always bonk you in the head. They always bonk you in the head. And the Class A's have nice little, well, gas shock things that keep the doors open for you. So you flip it open and it stays up while you're in there digging around trying to find your wife's clothing. Now, this is a way to do that aftermarket so that you can add your own hatch lift component and that it's like a strut that gas strut that holds it open while you are plowing around in the compartments in your RV. Do you hear the wind? So no more goose egg bumps on your head. 
And we now have the last but not least, that's the Ultra Metal Trap water filter. Now, we do reverse osmosis, and we've talked about that in the past here on the it RV Navigator. It works well for us, and we use it all the time at home and on the road. That's right. It's a nice little compact unit that we take with us. But if you're interested in just filtering, the latest problem is the heavy metals that are in the in the water and, and all sorts of places. And, of course, you can't taste them, you can't see them, you can't really what test them What about the drugs easily. they're finding in the water? The pharmaceutical? Well, the reverse osmosis takes that out, too, supposedly. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. these will uh, is um, a system which will take out uh, the heavy metals, too, so that your water will be pure and safe when you come to drink it. Oh, now it's going to start raining, so that's even better news. We may have to be um, signing off. Signing off. Ooh, there's tons and tons of. Ooh, here it comes. Yep. The rain the is storm coming. Is not over. <laughs> the hurricane is here, ladies and gentlemen. So we might have to fade out. Oh, there's a man running. He doesn't even have a. Yeah. Well, it has been raining and it has rained on and off, but now well, it's raining much heavier. And perhaps the fat lady hasn't sung yet. Yeah. Oh, so. nope, it stopped again. No, it's coming these, up. These hurricane rains are funny. They, they, they describe them as ribbons. I'd never experienced this before in the Midwest, and it really it's is a, a really hard rain for, like, 20 seconds, and then the ribbon goes by, and it's hardly raining at all. Uh-huh, but you get inches in the meantime. So um, I think we will uh, kind of uh, end this podcast about here and say that it's been fun talking to you and it's been fun knowing you. It's it's great to be on the road again, even in a hurricane. And we'll hopefully see you in the middle of the month. Bye now.